to Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Thank you, Susan. Today, my guest is Chris Young, founder and CTO of Vimbley Group. Founded in 2011, the Vimley Group invests in and grows technology-enabled companies. It owns and operates its portfolio of businesses powered by its IP, infrastructure, and technology strategy. Today, the Vimbley Group consists of 11 business units. Chris, thank you for being on the podcast today. It's great having you here. You know, when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I actually thought about the idea of starting a podcast a long time ago. And I was talking with my CEO, Art Saxby, and I was telling him this and he goes, Deborah, just if you see an opportunity, just go for it. And so I did. And so here we are today. (laughs) But I was thinking about it a little bit. I felt it was strategically a good idea and would be such great insight to share with the world because I talked to so many amazing people like yourself. But when I think of you, I think of someone who makes strategic decisions, and yet it's opportunistic and I just go for it. Do I have that right? Is that how you think about things, Chris? Thanks so much for the kind of uh, introduction there. I'd like to think so, uh, that we're opportunistic, that I'm opportunistic in the way I think about it. You know, the more I get exposed to new things and new industries, and new businesses, the more I realize, the less that I know. But I'm. Uh, it's my pleasure, though, to share at least the, the experiences that I've collected today. And the humility is really what makes the insights, I think, more genuine and and meaningful for folks. So as we have discussed before, and as I understand your approach, it is really finding businesses, technology businesses, where you can really leverage your strengths in IP, in technology, to really power these businesses forward. But you identify something that you see there's an opportunity to optimize it. And I want to ask, where did you, and you've grown a a large company, you've grown an amazing company, and now you're adding more to your basket, so to speak. What made you start looking at the world this way? Does it go back a long time? Or was there something that you optimized in your career and you thought, wow, I could actually do this for a living and make companies out of this? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I think the first kind of observation is that I've discovered my strengths to be about operational efficiency and really unlocking that there's some people who are really great at sales and some are really great at marketing. I think one of my strengths is really understanding processes from, from first principles and to unlock additional value based off that understanding. So one of my first stories was back at my role at BlackRock before I'd even started Bimbley. And... During that time, I was a lowly analyst, the very lowest on the totem pole, and everyone be required to get in at 6.30 on the dot, you know, at your desk, oh, to review financial reports. Oh, really especially fun at 6.30, yes. Especially fun at 6.30 and to be completed before the market opened. And so we would, we would literally all tap manually between PDF equivalents of documents and try to find glaring differences or potential inaccuracies in our reporting. And my first major you know, little project was to automate it. It was to build a little script that I ran on the side. And it was something I just did on my own. And so eventually, I would get into the office a little later, a little later. But the work had 100% accuracy, if I dare say so myself. 
And so people kind of started wondering, hey, you know, like, how are you doing that? And I, I introduced the script and I realized at this point that, wow, like this is something that really, really saves time for me. Mm -hmm. I ended up sharing this kind of process, again, a very basic process just that I've written and it ended up getting adopted pretty much across wow. offices, uh, worldwide. And I had so much fulfillment, so much happiness in being able to save mm -hmm. hours of all, you know, first and second year analysts across and you, the And you got a cut of all that productivity improvement, right? Exactly. And so, you know, at the time it was just, it was just a really fulfilling thing. You know, I wasn't, I didn't get a raise for it. People appreciate it. And that's where I felt like, you know, this is the strength that I have. And it just makes me feel so good to go and do that. And so I guess fast forward to Vimley Group, it was very much a similar type of learning process. So our first company was Vimbly.com. Mm -hmm. And it is a platform to discover and book recreational activities. So a tour of Central Park or a cooking class or a wine tasting or bungee jumping experience. Mm -hmm. It was during this time where it was really like the, the bookability theme was coming out. Yes. It was just right after airlines had gone online. So you go to experian.com mm -hmm. you know, or go directly nowadays to delta.com or something like that. Yep. Uh, but mm -hmm. before before that, you'd have to call your travel agent and right. go to a huge Wait in line. Mm -hmm. wait, exactly. wait on the phone. Line, yeah. Just a terrible experience. And we saw that happening with flights. We'd have, uh, you'd be able to restaurant reservations. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it's almost antiquated to call in for a lot of people. You can book your dentists and your, your handyman online. And we took the recreational activity space and tr really tried to build a platform for it. And Now, were you all in on this business at this point? Or were you kind of one foot in and, and starting to grow it? There was a short time where I was still at my previous job and my now partner and I, we kind of decided, let's really do this. Mm -hmm. We quickly realized that it was just not sustainable to work a full-time job in moonlight and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was probably one of the scariest decisions mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in my professional career, if not the most. Hmm. But we got our jobs and went yeah. all in. That's um, a different kind of going for it. Very, very, very committed uh, once you once you put both feet in, and in terms of the booking, you know, experiences around the city, was this driven by your own frustration? Is that sort of where it came from? It was. My partner and I, my business partner and I, Sam, we were looking for a photography class, and that's mm -hmm. what inspired the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the best possible solution was you'd go to Google, you type in photography class NYC, you'd get a hundred results. You'd email all the different vendors, all with scheduling different times. You'd cross-reference your calendar with every single one. And it was mm -hmm. just the process of finding something at, which we felt should be as simple as booking a photography class. Right. It was extremely complicated. And it was so complicated that I myself did not end up taking a photography of course. class. It was oh. that bad. <laughs> and that ended your photographic <laughs> career. <laughs> right, right. And so I don't know what I've come up with that. Had I go down that road, but... That really inspired us to say, you know what, we should stop mm -hmm. what we're doing here and mm -hmm. build something that's going to add value to mm -hmm. a whole bunch of people. And then you realized that that business approach or that topic was not going to be sustainable for you. And you obviously must have looked around and come across other opportunities or created new opportunities. Right. Our whole strategy was the whole point of kind of leaving kind of big corporation was to have our own freedom. And we felt it was very restricting to go down what was at the time, you know, a popular route to raise seed funding or VC funding, um, this sort of thing. So it certainly added much more pressure for us to fully bootstrap the entire company from what we had at the time. 
And so one strategy that we used to avoid having to dilute ourselves was instead to fund the company by consulting for other organizations, for other corporations. Mm-hmm. And so we would end up doing basically technology consulting and mm-hmm. development and engineering services across a whole bunch of industries, all the way from you know big names like uh, Verizon or Sony Music or mm-hmm. Teach for America, these sort of things, mm-hmm. all the way to very, very small companies. Even though ostensibly we were all in and working on Vimbly.com, recreational activity platform. That's that's okay because the broken things at large companies offer huge opportunities for a company such as yourself. That's exactly it. That's what got us thinking about, hey, you know, we're doing all this work for Mm -hmm. other companies and they're, these are established, mature companies that somehow are deriving value from the intellectual property, from the technology that we're building. That's really incredible. How could such a small company like us really have made a difference. And so it really occurred to us to really zoom in on this and recognize that what we did had value beyond Vimbly.com. And so after a stand- Chris, 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 before you go on, don't, don't forget your point, but there's something there about these large companies looking to you as a startup and a small company to help them solve some problems that can unlock further growth or remove friction, whatever the case may be. And I can't help but wonder, I don't know how prevalent that is in the world. It's perhaps not talked about as much as it actually exists, but I can't help but wonder if more large companies took advantage of that, where you had the mix of the entrepreneurial vision and eyes to see the gold bricks that the corporations just step over or trip over and never see on a day-to-day basis. How does that strike you? I think it kind of makes sense. I think there's a certain mentality, nothing other than just a vendor. And I think that there's something to be said about how you choose your vendors and who you're working with. You know, on one hand, you have your direct employee of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you might, then maybe somewhere in the middle is you might engage your vendor. There's a bunch of software agencies out there you can be connected with an experienced engineer, for example. But given our size, I think the real value that we had yes. was kind of the entrepreneurial uh, mindset to how yes. they were solving problems. Yes, yes. I think it was and a you lot understand of... what having skin in the game is and, exactly. and what that problem solved could mean to the bottom line. Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of agencies and contractors there, they just want to charge you as much as possible and and be done with the job. And so I think really trying to take that strategic approach and saying, hey, you know, you should minimize your costs by doing this, which is something I don't, I think that was relatively fresh or new at the time to accomplish this, or, hey, you know, we see we're working with your team. Here's a direct pathway of just completely revamping your process to improve operational efficiency. I think that was the real value that we were able to bring as a small company that some maybe other Others were were not able to provide. And now it's time for a quick break. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with Chief Outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. And we're back. If you were to take a guess, 
Sometimes they took advantage of your recommendations and let you solve the problem. Sometimes they did not. What do you think the percentage was of the companies that went ahead with your recommendations? That's an excellent question. Just a guess. I would actually say most. Okay, Uh, good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think some companies had very strict, you know, due diligence. Right. um, And they, you know, was really put through the ringer in terms of meeting a whole bunch of people. But I think once... Uh, especially after an initial period where we're demonstrably able to mm-hmm. uh, provide value and gain, you know, street cred, uh, if you will, with the various people we're talking with, yes. um, I think it was became evident that, hey, you know, this Vimbly can really add value to our operations and we should kind of maybe, um, maybe trust, strong word, but, you know, kind of trust some of the yes. judgments and the views that, that we had been making. Big word and a very important word. And I'm I'm just guessing, you know, based on the bit of time I've had the opportunity to spend with you, that that trust is important, whether you were working in the company as you were doing at that point, or whether it's your company that you've acquired and the trust that you build with the team is important to you to continue. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, hopefully to no surprise, trust is the most important thing. And to this day, out of just respect for the relationships, you know, anyone who's been grandfathered since then, you know, we still do business with. Our wow. mentality has, you know, has been like, oh, you know, over time, we're not going to try and do this whole consulting thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to kind of let these relationships die off and, and we'll sail off in the sunset. And actually, you know, to this day, you know, it's on our website, but, you know, we still honor our agreements, maybe up to mm-hmm. eight years later at this point, mm-hmm. uh, in where we thought we would be completely done with this type of right. uh, relationship, you know, mm-hmm. multiple years ago. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, now you were getting ready to talk about sort of the next phase of your business. Please continue. Uh, sure. So we were, uh, again, developing IP, mm-hmm. uh, working with these you know, very mature teams with a lot of experience across a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different industries. And for me, it was kind of like hitting a candy store because I got to see all the different technologies, all the way people did things. And I think we actually just learned a good amount ourselves learned both in terms of institutional knowledge of how industries just generally work, but also tangibly in developing intellectual property for some of these companies. And so at some point it occurred to us that, hey, we should just do this ourselves. You know, if we're able to generate this value, we should capture all the upside. And that's where the idea of the modern day Vimbley Group was born, where we should invest in and grow businesses ourselves. Um, And you know, take our own medicine, so to speak, to prove that, you know, we can accomplish great things. And that's kind of what drives me today. And so how have you identified the businesses that you invest in? What is it that you see that no one else sees? I wish there was a deep answer to this, but I have three, you know, if I can summarize mm-hmm. potential targets yeah. in a couple words, it would be three things. Mm-hmm. The first is that we seek profitability. The second is that we seek synergy between business units. And number three is that we seek inefficiency. Because our view is that if a company is profitable and yet is still inefficient, that's kind of a beautiful thing. Because a lot of times you have a beautiful efficiency, beautiful product, beautiful technology. You don't have the demand. You don't have that profitability. Mm -hmm. And often you end up selling a dollar for 90 cents. Yes. You can sell a dollar for 90 cents. So a profitable way. Yeah. And so that is the three main items. People are actually surprised that profit is, is one of them in the discussions that I've had. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of 
people in the VC community that would vehemently disagree. Uh, you know, call that, especially in the Silicon Valley type of model where mm -hmm. it's like, we'll raise some money. We're mm -hmm. going to do, we're, we're trying to hit a home run and mm -hmm. do a, as, as much as we can in the runway that we have. Mm -hmm. that, well, we're all packing our bags and we're all going home, you know, yeah. have a nice life. <laughs> and that's not a nice way to live. And so we're, uh, in some ways, we care about profitability and yeah. sustainability of profitability yeah. and cash flow rather than maybe some other mindsets out there, which are primarily focused on growth. And is there anything about the cultures? You didn't mention this, and maybe it doesn't really matter in this model, but is there anything about the cultures that you require, you know, as one of your filters for acquiring a company? In terms of culture, yes. We've learned certainly the hard way. My firm belief at this point that the greatest accomplishments of mankind Humanity have been through cooperation and teamwork. Mm -hmm. And as someone who, you know, admittedly thought that, you know, I was used to be like a rising star, individual contributor, these type of things, and to be really, really good at coding or engineering, it's really the spirit of teamwork and cooperation that enables us to grow and, and do bigger and better things. There was one experience where we had a company that fit these kind of three items. And you're right, and there was a very bad culture, I would say. And this may be a big tangent here, but I think there's this kind of attitude of entitlement in particular mm -hmm. uh, that I don't really appreciate it. And these are really negative and toxic things that come from this type of attitude of self-importance, of mm -hmm. an entitlement. Mm -hmm. And it's a type of thing that I think it has the potential to spread like a poison, like a cancer throughout an organization and is single-handedly capable of corrupting everything that you have built. Yes. So there was one experience, but, you know, we acquired a company that was otherwise, you know, a very exciting company, but we actually completely shut it down, completely terminated that company and, and lost our entire investment because we did that within maybe a couple months of acquiring and integrating the company. We even you know, set up new offices, the whole nine years, people coming to the office and it said, it was just, this is so important that we need to stop this. We need to nip this in the bud. This is just not going to work. And so we made the hard decision of cutting that immediately and preventing that from spreading. That mentality from spreading it was a very typical pill to swallow. And to date remains one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. Wow. Wow. I don't even know what to say after that. You've identified the most important in terms of trust, and surely trust feeds into culture. And trust I'm guessing it was does. not a culture of trust. It was a culture of anything but that. And then you made that hard decision. You talk about put your money where your mouth is. It's kind of like take your money out of. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it just sort of go flush in order to really preserve a culture and to avoid that infectious disease called arrogance and whatever all the other issues were there in that culture. Pretty amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, trust is one of these words that is, is, is an outcome mm -hmm. and the mentality to get there is just a, such a different mentality. It's a yes. it's proactive mentality. It's a team yes. mentality. It's yes. a mentality of like, how can I make this a better place yes. for myself and also for everyone else? How can yes. I, you know, add more value to someone else who I see is struggling? It's that that really enables to me a, a depth of, relationships of impact and growth. Mm -hmm. And I think these are the real ingredients of 
a fulfilling mm -hmm. uh, and long and happy career. Mm -hmm. So while your success beneath the surface, that way I get to use the name of the podcast, how's that? Uh, <laughs> you know, would on the surface appear to be this ability to find something to optimize that is currently profitable, you know, et cetera, and then take it to the next level. It really is your ability to identify a culture and or identify where there is not the culture you want and then establish the trust with the team that you're acquiring and throughout your organization. It sounds like that's what really has a lot to do with driving the continued success of Bimbley Group. Yes, I would say certainly number one is the culture and that we've kind of created over time mm -hmm. and kind of our ability to identify from first principles, dislocations in value, dislocations in the market mm -hmm. and using that experience to capture the, those dislocations. So in the economy, things are a little uncertain. You know, things are happening. You know, we had the, the SVB bank and, and we have interest rates. We have some lingering scarcity, certainly of resources and et cetera, et cetera, which could cause even the, the most, the highest integrity CEO to say, wow, it's going to get tough out there. I might have to cut some corners. What's your thinking on that? Well, I think this is a matter of preparation and ability to nimbly respond to the things that come at you, to roll with the punches. I think that low interest rates have really led to unsustainable growth. Again, mm -hmm. this whole kind of like growth at all costs type of model. For us, for Sam and I, uh, we've always adopted on a conservative basis. It's in our DNA to always prepare for the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and to, again, really ensure that profitability and cash flow is sustained no matter what happens. And I think we can, you know, at risk of tooting my own horn here, I think, you know, we can, we can point to that. Uh, we have 11 business lines now, and they're all relatively diversified. It's not a coincidence that, mm -hmm. you know, companies spanned everything from SaaS, mobile text communication companies to point of sale, all the way to direct to consumer e-commerce. I think a lot of people during my path, where I am now, um, cast doubt on this type of strategy. Yes. Um, I've got a lot of feedback saying, hey, Chris, you know, to do great things, you have to focus on one thing. You know, you have to have focus. And mm -hmm. the fact that you're focusing on so many th different things, I think is not, it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's convenient for me to say that now, but the diversification of, uh, you know, each business has volatility. Not all years are good years. And you can't come in and build a business expecting every year is going to be a great year. And so I think that the diversification, again, of these businesses has really proven its value in that kind of defensive strategy. Mm -hmm. so, I, I do agree with you. I think diversification as a strategy can get you through. But I do hear of this focus around making the right moves and that your what I thought was going to be a discussion of identifying potential optimizations and then being able to drive business results and profitability off of that. I, I thought that would be the bulk of our discussion. But what I found the real treasure here has everything to do with what you were looking for also in areas such as trust and culture, which are the kind of thing that will get you through the toughest time. Because even if the business suffers, the team will rally 
And then in times like these, there will be winners and there will be losers. And the winners will not be the ones on the sidelines. So congratulations on building your business and a team and such incredible values that I think share a lot with our listeners. And I appreciate uh, hearing it very much. So thank you, Chris. Best of luck. My pleasure. And My pleasure. speak again soon. Take Great. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.